Well, hey, it's so good to be here this morning. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, good to have you with us online and the many beautiful, bright faces here this morning. Um, we're in week six of our seven-week series called Stop for the One, and Stop for the One is about uh, just having a life that's available to reach people, to join Jesus in his quest to find people, because that's the kind of God that he is. And we're heading into a time of year where I think that this really tugs at people's hearts a lot. I think we're, um, as a society, we place more thrust on helping the poor and the have-nots than ever. I think uh, a lot of this is kind of rooted in the fact of it's just for, this is supposed to be a really joyous, fun, family-focused time of year, but for a lot of people, it's really sad and it's depressing and it's hard. And um, this week in our series, we're going to talk about the indigent. Indigent is basically the poor. We're doing the seven I's and um, poor, if you didn't know, doesn't start with an I. So indigent is a synonym. It's a Charles Dickens-esque sort of word from that era for the poor. So um, it's a word for the poor, needy, destitute, the oppressed, the marginalized, the have-not, weak, outcast, left behind, or the dependent. That would be the definition we're working with this week about the poor. And I think it's interesting about the poor is most of the world operates in a deficit. We live in a country that's the richest one ever by far. And even our poor in a lot of cases have a lot more than a lot of people in other countries do. Um, And everywhere you go, you can go to Wall Street, you can go to Hollywood, you can go like the Indian Hill, wherever, you'll find poverty because all of us at our core, we lack something. All of us compared to God, the guy who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, even, even Amazon doesn't have as much money as God, right? So the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So all of us have a lack. And so who are the poor? Why do they get so much airtime in the Bible? I mean, a lot of us don't want to give them any. We just want to pass by. We, we want to keep going. We want to live our lives of comfort, like accumulate. We want to get. We want to earn. We want the American dream, and we think that the American dream is synonymous with the kingdom of heaven. And so a lot of people are really upset, like right now, because we see our country, some of the ways it's heading, we're like, we're all going to be poor, and it makes us furious because we think that how could the kingdom of heaven look any different than the American dream? But the poor, um, the poor being loved is Jesus' dream. When it's all said and done, when he sets everything straight, there's not going to be poor. There's not going to be addicted. There's not going to be orphans. There's not going to be lonely. There's not going to be lowly. There's not going to be broken. There's not going to be left out. There's not going to be widows. There's not going to be foster care in heaven. And Jesus gives them so much airtime because I think no one else does. The Lord in his word gives them airtime because no one else does. And they're people without resources, without a voice, without an advocate, with respect to social and material goods. They're people that often have no hope, no status, no chance. And these could be people who are like human trafficking victims, Families of addicts, addicts themselves, single parents, kids with parents who are in jail, orphans, handicapped, like I said, widowed, undereducated, illiterate. 
really every group in this series we've covered so far falls under the poor, right? The sick, the addicted, the broken, the ignored. And over, but over, over two millennia, the church has been doing things to change the landscape of poverty in our world like no other organization has. If you want to look at the thing about the church that I think is so great is if you look at our world, if you took the church out of it, where would the world be? The monks started hospitals. They started, they started universities. The feeding of the poor, like the care of the indigent, like the diseases. I mean, there were several years ago when there was a president in office who tried to make abortion, he tried to make it a national law where if hospitals didn't acquiesce to it, that they were going to lose funding. The Pope shot back from Rome back in 2009. The Pope said, and they said, basically, if you won't provide like, a, like abortion funding, we're going to legislate this and that. And the Pope said, fine, I want you to know effective Monday, you have 72, or 96 hours to think about it, but on Monday every hospital that's owned by the archdiocese in the United States will close if you're going to mandate this law. Well, guess what? At that point in time, over 60% of the hospitals were um, Catholic-owned or subsidized, and guess, and guess who won? Because, like, the church, when the church bands together, when the church does its thing, and lots of other Christian-based hospitals join with the Catholics in this coalition— and they stared the government down. They stared the most uh, powerful leader in the free world down and said, not today. In the church, when the church has obeyed Jesus Christ and stayed together, there's been impacts that have sent shockwaves into the kingdom of darkness for, for centuries and centuries. And caring for the poor has been the central thrust of the church's mission since Jesus flew back into heaven in book of Acts chapter one. It's been the central thrust of our mission. And when our, our particular movement started the vineyard, one of John Wimber's core things was remember the poor. Because I think honestly, friends, one of our greatest acts of up, one of our, like we talk about up in and out, about loving Jesus passionately with worship, about uh, making disciples, about impacting the world. I believe in the scriptures, one of our greatest acts of up is out. I believe we worship God when we love the poor, when we love the broken, when we love those that don't have a voice. We honor Jesus greatly when we do this stuff. And that's why we're talking about it. We're giving him airtime because God does. And we're people, if discipleship's the process of becoming like Jesus, we just wanna do what Jesus did. And Jesus loved the poor. He didn't look at him and say, dude, if you'd only get a job. Man, if you'd only quit burning one down. Man, if you would only do this or that. Or man, if you'd stop having sex with every guy on your block. Seriously, these are the things people say. These are the looks people give. And Jesus has the audacity to look at those people and say, I love you. Your life is worth something to me. On your worst day, in your worst move, your worst hour, your whole life may be worth nothing to anyone, even to you. And he says, it's precious to me. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18 says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the alien. 
he gives them food and clothing. Deuteronomy 15, seven and eight, and, uh, and also verse 11 says, if there's a poor person among you, if there's a poor, poor person among uh, you and your brothers in any of the towns, the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards, towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. In Isaiah 58, six and seven, is this, he says about fasting. And fasting is talking about, like, that's an up thing. Like, I'm devoting myself to God for worship and prayer. And Jesus, let's just call fasting, he says, is this the kind, is this not the kind of worship and prayer and consecration to me I've chosen? I'm just defining fasting with that. To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. A yoke was something that bound someone to something. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide for the poor, the wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? See, God has always, this has always been his heart. This is who he is. This is what he's like. And Jesus was no different when Jesus came. Jesus actually took on a life of poverty. He was homeless. I don't know if you knew that. He says, like, hey, man, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was poor. He hung out the poor. He hung out. Jesus could have come. He could have built a castle. But instead, he chose to live around the lowest of the low. Looking at the disciples, he said in Luke 6, 20, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Is that our heart? Do I say blessed when I see the poor, or do I cringe? I'm going to be honest, there's parts of me that get cringy at times. Like, like I grew up, now with much, my sister's here, my sister Jill, little sister over there, she can attest, we didn't have a lot growing up. Our parents made a lot of bad decisions. Um, they got divorced when I was eight, Jill was five. And um, we didn't have a lot of things that our kids had. And so actually growing up, I wanted nothing more than to get out of government Cheeseville. I wanted nothing more than to get out of that place where I came from. And the Lord's worked in my heart a lot because I'm married to a saint of a woman who loves the poor. But even as I love Jesus, I kind of wanted to, um, I, wanted, I would help him and give him a check, but I, I didn't want to be among them a lot. And God worked me out of this over the last several years. But then, about three and a half years ago, I was walking into my office one day when I worked in downtown Cincinnati. And the Lord really changed my heart for the poor a lot. Well, he did. And I would always carry cash with me so I could give people money and maybe pray with them or help them. And one day, I opened up my wallet and, um, to help a guy, and it wasn't enough uh, for him. He demanded more. He wanted everything. And uh, I saw him and he was kind of being crazy and I just said, no, dude. I said, like, that's enough. And he said, I want you to get in your car and get me more money. And I said, that's not gonna happen. And I stepped back like, I don't think so. Snowy don't play that. And I, like, I cocked back. I was gonna jack the guy in his gourd. Like, you know, that's just, that's just how I roll. You know? <laughs> I was like, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> Not righteous, but 
I'm just giving you the play-by-play. So I, 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 I literally stepped back, pulled my fist back. This guy was on a bike, and I was going to clock him, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, run. Literally. I ran, and this guy chased me five blocks all the way to my office where there were armed guards at the county, at one of the county buildings. And it really turned my heart off for several more years to this. I, I felt myself pulling back. I felt myself less likely to pray for people and stop for people and to engage people. Because this guy, you know, he had a gun in his pocket that I could see, you know, that he was getting ready to pull out as I was getting ready to punch him. He was getting ready to shoot me. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really bad. And it, it changed my heart. And I, then I realized a couple years, about a year and a half ago, I was just praying about something not and not related at all. And the Lord just said, you don't have a heart for the poor anymore. Wow. And I'm like, what? And the Lord showed me that day as I'm like running, you know, fat guy with a backpack on in my dress clothes, you know, <laughs> fat guy in a little coat, like, you know, sort of thing. And I'm just waddling through the streets of Cincinnati, like, you know, okay, a, uh, a couple little pigs under a blanket having a fight or, you know, uh, <laughs> And I was just going for it. But um, the Lord just showed me that, that my heart changed somewhere. And maybe that's been your story. Maybe you've never had anything and your heart's right there. Maybe you don't know how to get out of a poverty mindset. Or maybe you've never even met a poor person because your, your life has been more fortunate by worldly standards. Jesus says when you give a... a when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot pay you back, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Luke chapter 14, 13 and 14. See, I, see, I believe poverty is really important to God because I think poverty, wherever you look where there's great poverty, there's great sin. Now, because if you're wealthy, doesn't mean you don't have sin. But if you look in very poor places, there's all kinds of stuff because people get desperate when they don't have means to achieve needs or to achieve even, um, yeah, like feed their kids. Like, do you know that most women in prostitution, I read this, do you know most women in prostitution do that um, because that's the only way they can pay their bills? Most of the women who do porn, I learned, that they're addicted to drugs, they have no other job, and they get high, and to basically, so they can keep getting high, and to pay for their kids, they'll have sex with gross men to basically make it happen. And that's, that's why, that's, and so the poverty cycle, it's not stuff that people are just like, hey, I wanna be a prostitute, or hey, I wanna have no money, hey, I wanna live on government assistance. Like, people in these situations it's not what they would have picked if they, if, if, if they could have, like, you know, go to the grocery aisle and pick which lunch meat they wanted. They wouldn't have picked, like, the poor one. No one's going to pick that one. But Jesus did for some reason because he knew it's a problem and that he also knew, though, that that group of people would be ready to receive him because they got no other answer. No one else is giving them airtime. He said, but I will. No one else can help them out. No one else can make a way, but I can. Jesus loves, loves the poor. And in the vineyard, we equate faithfulness to Jesus to having the same heart and valued values he displayed. 
This is why we remember the poor. This is why we do hot food giveaway. This is why we do grocery giveaway. This is why we're doing the Thanksgiving thing. This is why, this is why, uh, uh, this is why Carla is starting stuff for, orf, um, for orphans and foster. And you know, Amy spoke, uh, spoke about widows. We do these things. We do CR because the poor matter. The broken matter. It matters to Jesus, so it matters to us. And the world can't help the way we can. The world can't. They just simply don't have the answers. You're seeing a government program that tries to help needs. They do their best, but they're broken. We are the answer. We're the change that the world needs. And I'll tell you what, there's always miracles amongst these groups because Jesus' Jesus' heart is there. Where his heart is, his presence is. And where he's hanging out, he will cause breakthrough. He'll provide food. He'll provide money. He'll provide resources. He'll provide ideas. He'll He'll provide people of peace to come with you. He'll provide protection. And I'm... And I want to tell you, um, here's a great quote from a lady who's one of the co-lead pastors um, like up at the Columbus Vineyard. Her and her husband are taking over for Rich Nathan. And she said, we need to not again just preach about or know the gospel, but to be embraced by the gospel. Our movement of churches needs Christians who won't just talk about Jesus, but people who live the gospel and are faithful to the gospel, those who walk out the gospel Julia Pickrell. <clears throat> See, friends, because the world's had too many bad experiences with torch and pickfork uh, Christians, and they're tired of toothless religion. The world's tired of toothless religion. They're looking for tender embers of hope to ignite flames to change our world. And the best apologetic to the world you want to reach people and not have to preach their heads off? Just go reach those in, who are down and out. Those who need help. Those who need Jesus. The world doesn't need more, more arguments, evidence, or like museums, but it needs people on fire filled with love and compassion of Jesus who will do the stuff he did and how he did it. And if we live like this, if we stop for the one, we will have more opportunities than we know what to do with to share our faith and to live our faith. Because trust me, the world's watching. The world's watching. I love um, uh, Chris Cousin, if you want to come up. Chris is going to share the last part of this. But um, you guys know I'm a superhero geek. But I love, I'm going to quote the Joker today. I love that part where Joker's in like the, um, he says, I know why you do your therapy sessions in broad daylight. You know, it's the Batman. But I love he says, he says, you guys only care about money. He says, this town deserves a better class of criminal, and I'm going to give it to him. I think this world deserves a better class of Christian, and we want to give it to him. We're not going to care about all that stuff. Yeah, it's essential. We take tithes and offerings. We gotta do stuff Chris is gonna talk about. But this world deserves a better class of Christian than just people that act like the world, look like the world, think like the world. So I'm gonna turn it over to my good buddy Chris and he's gonna take it away. Thanks, Ryan. 
So Ryan gave me 10 minutes. I need at least an hour. So buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. Hey, um, so I want to talk about, we at the Vineyard, we just have a, a multitude of ways that we can pour into the lives of the poor. And being the outreach pastor, it's where my heart is. That's what I love to do. So I'm going to talk about some of the things that we do monthly, uh, the programs that we have for the poor, and some things we have coming up in the next few weeks. Um, But before I start, I want to tell you a little story in the Bible about the anointing of Jesus' feet with with, uh, expensive perfume. And as that happens, Judas, you know, basically says... Why did she do this? We could have sold that perfume and had this money and given it to the poor. And Jesus goes, stop, stop. Leave her alone. You will always have the poor. And, and Ryan said many times, is, you know, we need to hear, then obey. So if we will always have the poor, then we will always have the responsibility to take care of the poor or to help them. It's kind of, it's a no-brainer for me at least. If they're there, we need to try to help them. So monthly, here at the church, we do a grocery giveaway. Happens every month, fourth Tuesday of the month, rain or shine. We have people that sign up online. They drive to the church. We were giving them groceries. We're packing groceries. We go to a low-income senior citizen community here in Florence, and we deliver groceries there door-to-door. An incredible ministry. Have you served there? Today, the first Sunday of the month, we go to Covington and we prepare a hot meal for the homeless and the impoverished down there. Pray for them. We love them. Have you served there? This weekend, a bunch of us went down to Appalachia, Kentucky. 20 of us went down there because a lot of us came back last night. Some came back this morning. We did construction projects for the poor down there. The poverty line in this country is 26500 for a family of four. Most of us in this room, as a single person, couldn't live off of $26,000 a year. 25% of the people in Appalachia are below that poverty line. It's an incredible ministry. We do that twice a year, in the spring and in the fall. In the next few weeks, this is my time of year. Boy, this is like when we get into the holidays after, after, thanks, or after uh, the Halloween holiday, we get back into Thanksgiving and Christmas. What I love about the vineyard is you guys rock. This is the time where we really get the chance to pour in to the poor in our communities. We have a Thanksgiving dinner giveaway coming up on the 23rd of this month. There are several ways that you guys can participate in that. You see out this door here, there's a grocery cart. There's some bags that people have already brought in. You can take an empty bag, go to the grocery store, buy the things that are on that list, bring them back to the church so we can give those to the needy. If you don't have that opportunity to go, you can go online. Click on the giving hub, hit the drop down menu, give some money. For us, and we'll go out and buy turkeys and turkey dinners for people. You can text to give. Text turkey 
And whatever you want to give to eight four three or pound eight four three two one. Just a multitude of ways. On the twenty third, you can sign up on the hub and come here. We're going to need help to to deliver all these meals to people throughout the community, Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati. Last year, in the midst of all the COVID crap, we gave away more meals than we ever have in the history of this church. Yeah. I think we can do more this year. So yeah, please join us in that endeavor. We need people here around on the 23rd, it's a Tuesday, about three o'clock. We got a lot of preparation to do, get everything bagged up, get, get the meals ready to go, get things out there. And about five o'clock, between five and six, we start loading up cars. Vineyard Covington is gonna be coming down to help us. They're gonna be taking a lot, of, uh, a lot of meals to Covington and helping deliver in that area. Awesome opportunity. And then right after that, two weeks after that, we're going into Christmas Angels. This year we are adopting 60 poor, needy children. And we're going to make sure that they have a Christmas. We're doing it a little bit differently this year. Yeah, thanks, Pat. It's, it's an awesome ministry. Yeah, give it up, man. We need your help in this ministry for several things. I need volunteers that will sign up to go with these people, pick them up, and take them shopping the morning of December 11th. We're going to take them shopping. Let mom and dad pick out presents for their kid. Give them a little bit of, of inness to this. You know, it gives them a little bit of dignity to be able to buy presents. We'll just have the gift card ready so we can pay for them. Then we're going to bring everybody back here, pick up the children. We're going to have a huge pizza party. I need volunteers here to help wrap presents. And of course, we need help paying for some of this. Again, you can go to the hub, click on the giving tab. There's a little drop-down menu. You give for the city, give to turkey dinner, or you can give to Christmas Angels. Our goal this year is to raise $75 per child. So we can give buy at least that many presents for, for each kid. We are raising uh, 60 children, so we need to, to raise $4,500 for these kids. And then I need people here to help wrap presents, to help serve pizza to, to uh, our, our guests. Guys, this is, this is the time of year, man, you know, and, and uh, we have that responsibility. I know not everybody can give money. I know every, not everybody can, can uh, physically serve, but everybody can do something. So I guess, you know, I, I, I'd love you for everybody here to join us. Um, the one thing about this, if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a lot of people say, well, it's not my spiritual gift to serve. If Jesus is in here, then you're going to serve. Because Jesus, thank you, he started and ended his ministry serving. If it was turning water into wine or feeding the multitudes or, or making the blind see and the deaf talk, the mute speak, raising the dead, and finally dying on a cross for us. All he ever did was serve. So if I could get the, uh, the prayer teams to come up. As we were, um, as I was preparing for this message, God kind of gave me some aches and some pains. And I think that's for uh, some people in this. Uh, one thing that I was told is, is 
foot problems, especially the top of your foot. If you have that, please come up uh, after service. We want to pray for you. We believe here that, boy, God will heal you. That, that it's not that if he heals you, we believe that he will heal you. And so we want to be able to pray for you. Some of you might walk in here today and going, you know what, I want to see what this Jesus thing is all about. And if they give me a message today you know, that I'm thinking about, then, then I'm all in. It might not have been what you wanted to hear today, but we still want to pray for you. Come up and let us pray for you. I'm going to close. I'm going to say a closing prayer, but guys, prayer is what we love to do. It's what we love to give. So let us pray for you. If you need anything, if you've got back pains, shoulder pains, foot pains, come up and let us pray for you. Father God, we love you. We praise you. But most of all, Lord, we need you. Lord, we thank you um, for this opportunity to always be your hands and feet, to love those that need love the most. And you have a wonderful church here in Florence, Lord, that is especially good at it. So Lord, we lift this church up to you, asking you to continue to bless us, Lord, to continue to give us the power to go out and love one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we can pray for you, come up here, please.